Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. This is a very important word that I have, a very prophetic word that I have. I want you to listen with your spirit. Um, it's going to be in between a Bible study and a preaching. And we'll just be making that movement from time to time. Sometimes I'll make you open many texts. Um, and other times I'm just going to stir your heart with God's word. Nonetheless, it's such an important teaching and I want you to be ready. Now, the prophetic theme for this year is that it's the year of light. The year of light. And by year of light, what God meant prophetically is that it's going to be a year of distinction, a year of integrity, and a year of moral excellence. And uh, we've talked about distinction especially, the overture and other sermons. I want to talk about integrity today. As simple as that word is, it's so important. What does integrity mean? Integrity means to be in perfect condition. Perfect condition. For instance, um, many phones today, or some phones today, are called waterproof. Waterproof. Although, or even if it's called waterproof, there are some conditions in which it cannot be waterproof. If the phone has fallen and it has some cracks, then you can say that the integrity of that phone, phone is compromised. All right? So it's no longer in perfect condition and it cannot do what it's meant to do. It cannot be what it is meant to be. So the word integrity means to be in perfect condition. It means to be un, undiminished. Undiminished. It means to be whole and entire. To be whole and entire. Listen. The church that Jesus Christ died for has an integrity. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 and 27. He says, talking about what Christ did, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that is the church, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, that's integrity. A glorious church not having spots, or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish that's what integrity is to be without blemish to be of perfect condition so the church that jesus christ died for has an integrity he says he washed the church himself with his blood and he ordained for that church to be without spurts without wrinkles without any such thing to be holy and without blemish that's integrity to be whole and entire to be as it is meant to be the bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 4 it says there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope of calling. The fact that he's saying one, one, one. What he's doing is he's emphasizing integrity. So if there is anything besides this, then that's not the church of Jesus Christ. One, one body, 
one spirit. We are called to one hope of calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's integrity. A standard to which we must be whole and entire. One simple and important reason that we must be a church of integrity is that DNA proves procreation. Let me explain. When you give birth to someone, that person carries your DNA, carries your identity. And so, as the church of Jesus Christ, born of the word, born of Christ, the Bible calls Christ Akigos, captain of salvation, meaning we are to look like him. We hail from him. So his attributes are mostly communicable, meaning there are some things that only God is. Only God is all-knowing. Only God is omniscient. Only God is omnipotent. But there are communicable attributes of God, meaning there are some things that God is known for that we must be known for because we are his children. The Bible is replete with examples in that direction. For instance, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 15. He says, but as God who called you is holy. He says, so be holy. Now, that's a communicable attribute. He says, God who called you is holy. He says, so be holy. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Listen, so the natural and most important motivation for our holiness is the nature and the character of God. Not just that, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? It says, because God is love. Why should we be holy? Because God is holy. Why should we love? Because God is love. And so because we're his children, our characteristics must be consistent with his identity. This is so important. And so why must we be a church of integrity? Because if we aren't, it is proof that something is wrong. So if you check the DNA of a child and it's not consistent with someone, that means that person is not his father or not his mother. This is what DNA does. And in the same vein, if God has an integrity, his church must have an integrity. You see, the integrity of the church is to mirror the integrity of God. Just in case you're wondering why we're talking in this direction, the theme of this sermon is vintage Jesus. Vintage Jesus. And we're talking about, um, metaphorically, a God you can call the gray-headed one. He's the ancient of days, but consistent in his ways. So this month and with this teaching series, we want to emphasize the integrity of God. You know, Jesus introduced himself to John. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That's a statement of integrity. I don't change. I've never changed. And listen, the integrity of God is the bedrock of the church. I'm going to show you that. But first, I want to show you scriptures that talk about integrity. Now we're going to 
proper Bible study. So I want you to um, follow me closely. Moses prayed to God. God, I want to know you. I want to see your face. And by the way, the face was just a metaphor of attributes. I want to know more about you. And the Bible says, the Lord passed in front of him, declaring. Meaning, the revelation that God shared with Moses, all right, was what Moses was asking for. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the Bible says, and he passed, Exodus 34, verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord God, I'm reading from NIV, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. That's God. So you can say you know God. Um, if you are supposed to go to a place where there are many people and you are supposed to look out for someone you don't know, I want you to look out for someone for me. You're going to say describe the person. And so I'm going to talk about the attributes of the person. I'll say, oh, he's tall by this much. Look for someone who is more than six foot tall. Look for someone who has this particular shade of skin, who has a beard, who, you know, just describing the attributes of the person. And God has attributes. He's the Lord, the Lord compassionate. That's who he is. He's gracious. Oh, the, the church is replete with doctrines of the grace of God these days. Glory be to God for that. He says he's Lord anger. Abounding in love. The, the church has myriads of sermons on the love of God. And one important thing we must also know is he's also abounding in faithfulness. The faithfulness of God is his consistency, his integrity. Meaning God is the same person today that he was 10 years ago. That he was 100 years ago. That he was 500 years ago. That he was 2,000 years ago. That he was 4,000 years ago. That he was from the foundation of the earth. Before the foundation of the earth and forevermore. Glory to God. The faithfulness of God is, it, is the integrity of God. This is so important. He's abounding in faithfulness. Hebrew word emet. E-M-E-T. Emet. He's abounding in faithfulness. You know what emet means? It means trustworthiness. It means stability. That word was used metaphorically in different contexts. For instance, when Israel was at war and Moses prophetically, all right, raised his hands. And the Bible says, as long as his hands were raised, Israel continued to win. But as time went on, Moses got tired. And the Bible says they got him his tools to sit. And that they held his hand up so that his hand can be emmet. His hand can be stable. So that gives a metaphoric picture of the character of God. Like Moses' hand held up high. You talk about God's stability, God's consistency, God's faithfulness. From generation to generation, he's faithful. His integrity is intact. That's who God is. He doesn't change. Therefore, he's reliable. He's the covenant-keeping God. You've heard that phrase many times. He's the covenant-keeping God. Do you know what it means? That Peter was preaching about God several centuries after Abraham and could describe him as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. That means a lot. 
Meaning, the same person who dealt with Abraham in his faithfulness, dealt with Isaac in his faithfulness, dealt with Jacob in his faithfulness, is still consistent in his character and attributes today. And Peter could talk about him because he has not changed. And say, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I'm introducing to you. Now, that's so powerful. The Bible says, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. Oh, listen, you have to embrace this with your heart. With God, there is no variableness. That's why he called him the father of light. Like the sun that shines in its strength. The sun does not move. The sun's light does not change in consistency. The sun is always shining. He says, that's how God is. The father of light. With him, there is no variableness, no movement in character. He is consistent. No shadow of turning. God doesn't cast shadows. It takes movement to cast shadows. It takes obstacles to cast shadows. God doesn't cast shadows. With him, there is no variableness. This is something, listen, what I'm telling you inspires worship. The integrity of God is our worship. I'm giving you um, lyrics for your worship, well, lyrics for your songs. The faithfulness of God is our song. With him, there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. Listen, a good man keeps his word. God is more than a good man. God doesn't just keep his word. God is his word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. God doesn't just keep his word. God is his word. You can't separate him from his word. That's how much integrity he's got. He is his word. Another term that can use to describe this is the word amen. Amen is also a Hebrew word. We use it in prayers to round up prayers, you know. But it actually means true. It actually means consistent. It's akin and it's similar to the word emet that I just showed you. They're both Hebrew words. And it's actually a word that also talks about integrity, trustworthiness, the trustworthiness of God. And Jesus is called Amen. It's who he is. And so in Revelation chapter 3 verse 14, Revelation 3 14, and it says, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, This thing says the Amen. Listen, he calls himself a man. I'm trustworthy. So it is. The same way you endorse your declaration in prayer and say, so it is. That so it is, is a person. He's called a man. Meaning you can't separate his integrity from his personality. That's his attribute. Hi. He says, this thing says the amen, the faithful and the true witness. What does he mean by amen? He's faithful. That's what a man means. The true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Apart from amen, another metaphor that describes the character of the integrity of God. I like this one. God is called a rock. Hi. A rock that does not move. 
That's a picture of stability. That's a picture of trustworthiness. God is a rock. David spoke about this and sang about this myriads of times. In Psalm 89 verse 1. Psalm 89 verse 1. I'm reading many texts. I want you to follow me as quickly as you can. Psalm 89 verse 1. Open if you can. It says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. He said, with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. So I'm just going to read texts that talk about his faithfulness and then we'll move to God is a rock. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever I will sing. It says, with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. That talks about the consistency of his faithfulness. It's for all generations. Not just to a person. Not just to a nation. Not just for a season, but for all generations. With my mouth I will make known his faithfulness for all generations. Look at verse 5, the same Psalm 89. It says, and the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. You see, this is why I'm teaching you this. Because the knowledge and the revelation of God's faithfulness must be present in the assembly of the saints. When we come together to worship and we pray, we must reckon that we are serving and we are worshiping a faithful God. A God who keeps his word. A God who is his word. He says that revelation must be present. The revelation of his faithfulness must be present in the assembly of the saints. Psalm 89 verse 5. Psalm 92 verse 2. Psalm 92 verse 2. It says to declare your loving kindness in the morning. And your faithfulness every night. You see there is no vacillation in his faithfulness. In the morning and in the night he is faithful. In season and out of season. The faithfulness of God is consistent. His integrity is consistent. We're talking about the trustworthiness of God. You can trust him. You can take his word to the bank. You can trust him with your life. Paul trusted him with his life. Peter trusted him with his life. You know what Paul said? He says, I know whom I've believed. I know he's able to keep that which I've committed to his hands. What was he talking about? His very life. An old song says, my lifetime, I will give God my lifetime. He said, if I give God my lifetime, he will take care of me. That's the faithfulness of God. His integrity. Now you can trust him. Psalm 109, 19. Psalm 119 verse 90. Psalm 119 verse 90. It says, your faithfulness endures. Ah, enduring faithfulness. Oh, glory to God. Your faithfulness endures for all generations. Your faithfulness endures for all generations. You know, Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. Lamentation chapter 3. I hope these texts are blessing you. They're so powerful. Lamentation chapter 3, from verse 22 to 23. He says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. He says, It's because of the mercies of God. The consistency of God, the faithfulness of God that we are not consumed. He said, because his compassion fails not. His compassion fails not. His compassion, you see, many times we have metaphors amongst men. 
Even if we are good, mostly, we say someone pushed us to the wall. Every man has that button that you can press and he will act out of character. Once in a while, you have outbursts of anger. His compassion, I'll come to that. He says his compassion fails not. He says they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Great. Great is the faithfulness of our God. His faithfulness is new every morning. It's, it's a fresh every morning. It's fresh. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't get old. It's fresh every morning. His compassion does not fail. Let's look at texts that talk about God as our rock. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4. He says he is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. That's who he is. He is the rock. Meaning he's stable. He's consistent. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. Thank you, Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says, No one is holy like the Lord. There is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. There's none holy like the Lord. There's none besides him. It says, There is no other rock like our God. 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 32. Second Samuel chapter 22 verse 32. It says, For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? There's none like him. He's a rock. In 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 47 this time, it says the Lord lives. Another translation says the Lord reigns. Blessed be my rock. Let the God, let God be exalted. The rock of my salvation. I want to talk about that for a bit. Do you know that the rock or the stability of God is the bedrock of our message of salvation? Because what he did is consistent. He, listen, he didn't just save Abraham out of favoritism. He didn't just save Peter out of favoritism. He didn't just save Israel out of favoritism. God is a rock. He's consistent. Meaning if you believe what Abraham believed, you will receive what Abraham received. He's the rock of salvation. He's consistent. The Bible says that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's integrity. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are coming from. He says, whosoever believes, he says, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's integrity. Paul explained this in Galatians chapter 3 verse 6. Galatians 3 6, he says, just as Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. So all Abraham needed to do to be righteous was to believe the word of God. 
the word of God's salvation. And because God is the rock of our salvation, he has not changed. You know what verse 9 says? It says, so then, I like so then. So then highlights the consistency of the integrity of God. It says, so then, those who are of faith, those who believe just like Abraham are blessed with believing Abraham. We are blessed along with Abraham. If we believe what Abraham believed, we will see what Abraham saw. We have believed what Abraham believed. We have received what Abraham received. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have received the gift of righteousness. And you know why? Because God has not changed between the time of Abraham and now. That's why if you believe what Abraham believed, you will receive what Abraham received. Because he's the rock of salvation, don't you understand? He's the rock of salvation. That's the backbone of our ministry. His consistency. That's why we preach. If we didn't believe that everyone who hears the message and trusts the message will be saved, we won't preach. It doesn't work for some and work and not work for others it's consistent god is the rock of salvation the message is the same everywhere in china in india there is the integrity of that message that whosoever believes the bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved you see once we don't receive or listen the bedrock of our message of our ministry is the integrity of god It's the integrity of God. And let me say this to you. This is where I'm coming. Don't forget the progression of thoughts. I started by telling you the church of Jesus Christ has an integrity. That integrity is to mirror the integrity of God. Now I'm coming back to the church and I want to tell you this. If we don't see consistency in the church... The problem is never God, it is us. Because the faithfulness of God is from generation to generation. So if you look at the church at any time, see, and you don't see a consistency in glory, in power, in doctrine, in devotion, in dunamis, the problem was never God, it was us. You know what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. He says, if we believe not, he yet abides faithful. He cannot de deny himself. That's the integrity of God. 2 Timothy 2, 13. Even if we don't believe, he yet abides faithful. He won't deny himself. And so, the onus is on the church to take up this responsibility. Take the bull by the horn. Because he's the same God with the same glory. There is one God, one faith, one baptism. We are called to the same hope of calling. And everything that you see in the early church that is consistent with God's plan, that's our life. So now, as preachers of the gospel in year 2020, we must make sure that the consistency remains as it was in AD 33, as it was since Christ died. Because the spirit is the same. 
If we are not seeing what the early church saw, it's because we are not doing what the early church did. We must fight for that consistency. There are three areas in which we must see consistency. Three areas which we must see consistency. And I've used, um, I've titled them in a way that will be easy to remember. The first is doctrine. The second is devotion. The third is dunamis. Dunamis is the Greek word for power. The first is doctrine. The second, devotion. The third, dunamis. I want to start with doctrine. Paul wrote a very emotional message to the church at Galatia. In Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. From verse 6. He says, I marvel, Galatians 1, 6, that you are soon removed from he that called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. This is a message of integrity. And I've told you, I told you during the reboot camp, this is the duty of an apostle to protect the integrity of the church. An apostle of Jesus Christ should be aware of God's standard to know what the church ought to look like. And so when you see any inconsistency, you cut it out. And so Paul observed and realized that the church at Galatia, what they believed or what they were living by was another gospel. He says, which is not another. He says, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. This is, this is what integrity does. It protects perversion. So that the message remains whole and entire. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which, you have, which we have preached, let him be accursed. He says, as we have said before, now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Can I tell you something? As children of God, you must be particular about the integrity of God's message. Be particular about it. You're not walking in love if you're indifferent about doctrine. You know some people, because they want to preach unity, I believe the church should be united. Alright, but the way to really approach that unity is by tackling the inconsistencies in our doctrine. That's the way. Because God wants us to have Experience unity in faith. The unity should be in our faith. In our agreements. Not in forming church clubs, even though that's okay. Church association, even though that's okay. The major unity that God is passionate about is that we speak the same thing. Be perfectly united in the same mind. So that we can be much as one, evangelizing the world unto him. He says, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. Listen, Paul also told the church of, um, at Corinth, warn them about another Jesus. Another Jesus. Any Jesus that you, if you don't pay tithe, you know, we'll devour you. That's another Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. 
Many people have created different perversions of the true image of Christ. And we are not passionate about these things just out of youthful exuberance. It's the word of God. We have to be passionate about the truth of the gospel. Like I said, in 2021, especially doctrinally, if we see what we are teaching, it must tally with what the early church taught. We're going to spend time expounding on that. Any salvation that is by works, that's another gospel. That's another Jesus. We must stick to the message. Stick to the pattern. Stick to the integrity. And as someone who has the tremendous privilege to lead a generation for the gospel, I want to tell you, let's all march on with favor, emphasizing the truth of the gospel. Listen. A huge question we must ask ourselves at a time like this. So what are we really after? Do you just want to be um, another big church? Another big pastor? What are you in this for? What, what are you really after? Listen, the Bible says on that last day, everyone's work will be made manifest before God. It says many will suffer loss. Because even if they were full with activity, there is a, listen, there are rules of engagement. There is a way to run. There are rules in this race. Let's not labor and have labor loss. Let's not labor for nothing. Imagine preaching every Sunday without preaching at all. Let's find out what God will have us communicate. Let's get it right. We must fight for the consistency of doctrine. The second thing I want to talk about is devotion. Devotion. If the early church was a praying church, we must be a praying church. If the early church was a studious church, we must be a studious church. There are some things that culture must never tamper with. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter the city you live in and how metropolitan it is. All right? We must remain prayerful. We must never be too busy to pray. We must create special times of devotion. Special times of devotion. Pray. Study. If the early church was evangelical, we must be evangelical. It's not enough to have it in your statement of faith. Of your church. On your church website. You must actually be winning souls. Actively. Actively. Let's be consistent in our devotion. If Jesus fasted, we must fast. In Acts 13, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, we must fast. We must fast. So, in the devotion, there must be that consistency. 
let's not renege in our commitment to prayer, in our commitment to the study of the word. Paul, um, um, Peter said, Acts chapter 6, we will give ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. As a man of God, not just to project management. If you are not careful, that's what you will spend your time doing as a preacher these days. Planning programs, special events. He says we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's God's will. And it's not going to change. We're going to emphasize that this month also. So this is just an introductory sermon. And then number three, pa, pa. If people think that gifts have ceased, it is not a doctrine problem. It's a manifestation problem. It's a manifestation problem. In Jesus' day, people did not believe in cessationism because Jesus held apologetics meetings. They believed in power because they saw power. You can't keep arguing in the classroom that E is equal to MC, MC squared. You can't argue the calculations of electricity. Just turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. Listen, we must be passionate about the demonstration of power. Passionate about it. Listen, it starts with a psychological preparation. We must um, abominate a preaching that is void of power. We must start there. We must see power as something that is designed by God's divine design must go with preaching. It must start there. We must expect, expect it when we meet. When we have gatherings, we must expect it. Doctrine, devotion, dunamis. It's very important. Psalm chapter 78 verse 35. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Psalm chapter 78 verse 35. It says, then they remembered that God is their rock. So simple, so powerful. They remembered that God is their rock. My charge to you today, remember that God is a rock. He has not changed. His doctrine is still the same. Our call to devotion is still the same. Our call to dunamis is still the same. Remember that God is a rock. And so everything the early church saw, we will see. If we do what they did, we will see what they saw. Because the same spirit that was at work in them is still at work in us today. We must believe it. One very powerful text that talks about integrity is Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Listen, I know it's very popular and that's part of the problems we're having. We're too familiar with these texts. But if we will see it for what it is. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Oh, I want you to stop there and ponder for a bit. Oh, what? 
So it's the same spirit. The same spirit that was at work in Jesus. The same, same spirit of whom he spoke when he said, The Father that dwells in me does the works. The same spirit by whom God raised him from the dead when he died. It's as if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What? If it's the huge word there, everything else is saying is predicated on that simple two-letter word, if. Does he dwell in you? Is the spirit the same in integrity? Is he a reduced version that you received? A compressed file that you received? Or the same spirit in his fullness? We must see the consistency in the signs if there is the consistency of the spirit. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also. This is God, the rock of our salvation, telling you there is going to be a consistency. He did it in Jesus, he do it in us. That's God for you. Oh, with the spirit of him that raised up Oh, just say this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He dwells in me richly. Therefore, I do the works of Jesus. Therefore, I bear the fruits of the spirit. Therefore, I manifest the gifts of the spirit. Ha, 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 glory to God. It's time for integrity and consistency. There must be no difference. Because it's the same spirit, the same baptism. It says he raised us up together with Christ. He said, by grace are you saved. Let's have the mindset of integrity. He said, if, if, oh, when you think about Elijah walking with Elijah, Seeing all that Elijah did. And then one day, Elijah was caught up with the, with, you know, with the wind and with the chariot of fire. And he saw Elijah go and his mantle dropped. As they were getting to that point, Elijah had parted the Jordan. The Jordan split and they passed. But now, his father in the faith has gone. Will the sign cease? He picked up the mantle and he got to that same river. He said, where is the God of Elijah? This is the integrity of God. He hasn't changed. Elijah might have gone, but the spirit is still the same. Where is the God of Elijah? If it was about Elijah, the signs would have gone with him. But the same spirit at work in Elijah is still at work. So where is the God of Elijah? And he did the same thing Elijah will do. Jordan with the mantle and it parted just like it did for Elijah. The body of Christ is at such a sensitive time and many people don't even see it. Yesterday, a general in the body of Christ clocked 79. 79? Pastor Ia Deboye, listen, we don't have much time. Young people rise up. Young people rise up. 
Mantles are dropping. Buttons are being passed. What are we going to do with the gospel in our time? Are we going to preserve the quality? Listen, we can even do better. Someone gave a powerful analogy and I like it. He said in every relay race, the strongest leg is always the last leg. So as great as these men of God are, they started ahead of us so that they will pass onto us the battle button as the last leg and as the strong leg. We are going to do better by the Spirit of God. All the signs, all the glory, all the impact, we will do more. More for the gospel in our day. And it starts by embracing the doctrine of the integrity of God. We must embrace the same old vintage Jesus. Not another Jesus. Not another doctrine. Not another message. Not another baptism. We must keep the devotion. Keep the passion. That's what God is calling us to. Just pray in the spirit wherever you are. Pray in the spirit. There's a call on your life. God is counting on you. All the saints of old, they have played their part. They've played their part and they're looking at us, waiting to see what we will do. He said not to forget the ancient landmarks. The ancient landmarks. There are standards that have been set by those who have gone ahead. What are you going to do with the gospel of Christ? What are you going to do with the spirit of God? How far will you go? If you don't go far, the problem was not the spirit. Because God is consistent with his integrity from generation to generation. The question is what you will do with this message? What will you do with this gospel? How far will you go? He's counting on you. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.